0: Okay, well, welcome this morning. Uh, I have to tell you, uh, as we start stepping into uh, Corinthians and then 1 Corinthians, this is so theologically rich, and there is so much here, that we'll see how long it takes us to get through. This is, again, like I've mentioned before, this is one of those times when I'm so grateful that we're not tied to a gospel doctrine schedule. You know, if this were New Testament gospel doctrine, we'd have one week on First Corinthians, and then we'd move on to the next one. Uh, and we're going to find that... Uh, so, so in... in um, I've been trying to do this as much as I can sequentially so that we're, we're studying where Paul goes, and then when he writes, then he writes. And we put the book in sequence along with... And this is going to be hard to do. We're going to be a little bit out of sequence with this because he's going to write he's going to write uh, 1 Corinthians after he has been to Ephesus uh, and 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 then starting to travel again and then he starts hearing some things about Corinth, then he's going to go back to Corinth briefly, he's going to get incredibly rebuffed at, at uh, Corinth, he's then going to go back to Ephesus, get imprisoned, and then he's going to write First Corinthians and 2 Corinthians which is like, this is like a lot of information and some rebuke and stuff like that. Second uh, Corinthians is I'm depressed, I'm bummed, I have a sentence of death passed on me. I'm not sure I'm going to get out of this. And this is the, this is Second Corinthians is Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail. It really is. This is this is prior to that, and somewhere in here, the Ephesians comes about the book to the, of the Ephesians comes about the same time as Second Corinthians uh but we're so this is out of step but by looking at first corinthians we can also begin to see at what joseph or uh, joseph what paul was facing now in corinth as he tries he tries to put this together Uh, so we're going to today the idea is uh, if you look if you look at the powerpoint i send out there's a lot of stuff there I'm anticipating we're only going to get through part of it. Uh, a lot of it will be next week uh, on top of that. But we're going to get as far as we get. But I'm, I'm not in any hurry because this is so critical to, to understanding, first of all, what happened in the first century, and then, what, and then where did the first century church go? What happened to it? Because you start to see why an apostasy might have occurred. Right? So I want to start with this, though. Um, something we kind of missed from last time as Paul rolls into town here uh, something I missed which I just think is is so Pauline here when when, uh, Silas and Timothy come down from Macedonia remember he he had sent them off again to Philippi I love those guys make sure they're okay Uh, they come back with really great news about how well they're doing in Macedonia that's what prompts Uh, uh, Philippians because he's so excited that these guys in the midst of a lot of trial they're hanging on to the gospel and he's so pleased Okay, and so uh, Silas and Timothy come down with word from Macedonia Paul was occupied with the word witnessing to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ when they opposed him and slandered him now look what he does Uh, he shook out his clothes and said to them your blood is on your own heads I am clean from now on I go to the Gentiles about had it with you guys in the synagogue okay now is he going to just let things be (laughs) and he departed from there and came to the house of a man named uh, Titus Justus, a man who worshiped God and where's his house adjacent to the synagogue (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna start preaching out of another house I like the one in the cul-de-sac next right next to the synagogue so, so that uh, Sothenes and Christus and some Crispus and those guys that are running the synagogue can see the people coming back and forth all the time, uh, and and I don't know if there's like every now and then Paul going, okay. Eh. <laughs> His house was adjacent to the synagogue, uh, and Crispus at works. The leader of the synagogue believed in the Lord. This is the one that said, "Go away." Believed in the Lord with his entire household and many among the Corinthians listened and believed and were baptized. Lovely. Okay. And then we have the one from last week. And ultimately, then they see Sothenes, uh, the ruler of the synagogue. So we got the, we got the leader and the ruler and they beat him in front of the, the judgment seat. Remember, as, as uh, he's being uh, arraigned in front of the, uh, the Bema. And Dalio is like, I, guys, this is a Jewish thing. I'm just not that interested. <laughs> Go, he, he's over Athens and the whole thing. He's got everything on the Achaean coast. I'm just not interested. Remember, so then they the the Jewish uh, synagogue puts their anger on Sothenes, who then joins the church. And then when, when uh, Paul leaves Corinth, he will take... Uh, Priscilla, and Aquila, and Silas, and Titus, and Sothenes. And Apollos will join them later, and we'll talk about that. But we just... It, so, a lot of great things happening here, and it's really having a detrimental effect uh, on the synagogue there in Corinth. Okay? All right. So, here's another thing that uh, Paul is doing, which I think is, and is really subtle... Uh, and that is that remember that uh, to, depending on the, the Jewish sect that you're in, you're going to uh, repeat the prayer of the Shema. Okay? Uh, and it's uh, the, the Shema is Shema Yisrael Adonai Elenehu Adonai Chad. Here Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you're going to repeat this morning, noon and night. Okay? Uh, now Part of the, the flavor that we get is that Paul, as he is holding on to his Jewish tradition and everything, believes all that, but he starts changing the Shema. From 1 Corinthians 8, There is one God for us, the Father, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things are and through which we exist. So he's probably going Shema Israel Adonai Elenehu Adonai Chad uh, uh, Shema Christos. He's changing the prayer and praying that both in public and and to himself there is one God Lord uh, Elenehu and one Lord Jesus Christ. Think that would get the ire of the Jewish population? That, that would, I mean, to a lesser degree, let, let's say there's a church down the road that takes our sacrament prayer, and they're using our sacrament prayer, and they're and they're throwing in some extra things to kind of fit what they're doing. Now, I don't think we would rise up and beat them and beat the leader of their church, but but you get a sense of what Paul is really doing. And it's like the maturing of his Jewish faith, and the incorporating of everything from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jesus. And that's what he's bringing to the Jews. Wouldn't make that much difference to the Gentiles, until unless he's going to, when he's messing with the imperial cult, the uh, the the worship of Julius Caesar. If he's if they've got a prayer and he's messing with it, then he'll be in more trouble. But we're going to talk about how careful. Paul was in some other areas not to offend. So, which sounds weird cuz he's doing it to the Jews. So, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. All right. So, to, to understand what's happening then in Corinth. Again, let's take a, let's kind of dive into 1 Corinthians and it's going to give us a sense. Cuz there's a lot of issues in the uh, the Corinthian first ward. Uh and if you will again, if you'll begin to picture, uh I was I was telling Cindy, I'm not quite sure whether to paint Corinth as Las Vegas or New York. New Orleans. Yes. Uh, and New Orleans. Ooh, New Orleans would be a really good Yeah, uh, ooh. I hadn't thought about New Orleans, but th- that that would probably be really good. Yeah. Uh and because what you're getting is this incredible diversity. Remember that, that uh, Corinth sits on the Achaea coast, and, and it has two major seaports. And so as everybody is coming and going uh, back and forth to Athens and between Athens and Rome, and, and there's, a, there's a canal that they tried to, to carve, uh, they're not quite able to get this canal going, so it means that they have to go around, they have to go by Corinth, they have to stop, um, and, and so it's just people from all over the known world are there, and they're rich, and there's a vibrancy, and there's a diversity. And so from 1 Corinth, this is, what, this is what Paul is dealing with. It's written while Paul is written is traveling to Macedonia, the beginning of his third mission, but he's writing back here. Now, we know that Paul had already sent a previous letter in a pretty harsh tone. So this is actually... 1 Corinthians is actually the 2nd Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is actually 4th Corinthians. But you won't have to remember that for the test. <laughs> Apollos, who we'll talk about in a second, Apollos from uh, from uh, Alexandria had shown up after Paul and he's and he's a very charismatic guy, he's very Greek-centered, and he's and he's helping win souls to Christ, but he really just has John's understanding. He has not yet been educated, and uh, they, they will pull him aside in Ephesus and really teach him more about the gospel. But he is, he is energy, and he is articulate. Uh, but Apollos then meets with Paul in Ephesus, uh, but was not wanting to go back to Corinth. After he'd spent his time in Corinth, he's like, I don't think I want to go to those guys again. They're driving me nuts. He's not saying what it is about Corinth that's driving him nuts, but he doesn't want to go back. Um, partly because he's become, there's a, there's a cult of personality based on Apollos in, in Corinth, as we'll talk about. And then now, so Paul in his writing is having to dr- address many specific issues that were arising in the infant church that's there so let, let's kind of frame this a little bit uh, to start with shall we uh, when we talk about in our own experience if I ask somebody to talk about uh, I'm a member of the church or I'm going to church or I believe in Mormonism or I'm a member of what are they picturing if I say you know, this is what you're going to want to do in when you go to church. What exactly are you picturing? A building or something. Yeah, yeah. Which building? Chapel. Which chapel? The they always pretty similar. They do, but but Deb, if you're thinking about church and you're thinking about a ward, what are you picturing? My, cha- My chapel my ward my people when we talk about a quorum what are we picturing our quorum we're going to want to implement this new thing in Relief Society and your brain to to frame it is going to say I have to picture what my Relief Society how are you doing with your ministering sisters what have you got to do Picture your ministering sisters we have our frame we have our lens through which we look at things so when we talk to, when people talk about the church think about all the things that go into how I picture the church first of all is my life events do you picture the church as a lifelong member or did you join the church as an adult the church is partly based on your life experiences uh, and when I'm talking to women for instance that have been uh, abused by some of the men in their life and we're talking about the priesthood and you've got to follow you're going to follow the directions of the priesthood think their life events pushes back against that if, if their experience with men or if their experience with men that said they were righteous and are now abusing me is there, they're going to pull off of that whole experience, okay? It's that life experience that drives how they look at the church. Does that make sense? Okay? How about church experience? How have you had, how have your experiences been in church? If you've had great experiences and you think about uh, I love my church, if you've had great experiences, does it make a difference if you come from a small branch as opposed to a large ward in, in West Valley, Utah? Okay? It's your church and your life experiences that make a difference here. How about your culture? When, when people in Brazil show up in a ward... Are they bringing their Brazilianness with them? Definitely. Yes. Absolutely. It's,
1: it's easier to see in Hawaii when they show up in their
0: lava lava. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> sometimes that's right. Uh, you know, when the Samoans are showing up, they go, "Yeah, we're going to so if I'm bringing my Samoanness okay. into into the ward, that means that w- there's going to be a whole different set of culture that goes with that. When do we start? Church when we start right we, get there. we start when everybody gets here okay um, we, we, we can't really separate ourselves from, from our experiences from our life from our culture that we live in and we bring that into our wards okay early days of the church here in Dallas um, and they're building buildings here do we really need air conditioning no, we don't. We don't have air conditioning in the ward in West Valley City. Why would we need it in Dallas?
2: Then he came to visit.
0: Until, until President McKay came to visit. That's right. The sweat's pouring off him, and he goes, tell the people to put A.C. in the building in Turtle Creek. But but it's going to be that, that cultural experience, okay? Okay. Um, we were talking a little bit about the, these, these wards in Africa. We're saying, and the question is, how much of their Africanness would they bring to the ward? And you guys are coming back and saying, they're really trying to copy a lot of the, more of the, They were better dressed at the state conference than we are. Yes, In fact, like we're gonna try, so we're gonna try and copy that culture, which really, if it was strictly a, an African church that was doing there, they wouldn't be in white shirts and ties but they're saying we're trying to take we're trying to adopt the culture okay
3: Washington DC women wear big
0: hats (laughs) is that right? yeah
3: Yeah. that's the culture
0: sure absolutely you're going to bring you kind of bring that with you right? okay how about your current ward experience? do I love my ward? well it depends on what? What's going on? And it depends on the last word. Do I love my bishop? Did I love my last bishop? Am I struggling with my last bishop? Will I struggle with this bishop? Okay. Look at all the issues that are. This isn't just we're going to walk into a a church. We carry all of this stuff with us. How about our family situation? Is the church a different place from the if you are married and then you're then you are divorced. Does your ward change? It does. You know, I'm going to, this weekend I'm going to be with a large group of singles in uh, Branson. Okay? And they will tell you the ward is, if if they go to the same ward that you do, it's a different church. They have different experiences. They have different needs. But they feel different in the same place. Financial status make a difference. Does that change how you see the church? Yeah. How about expectations? What if you are a brand new convert? and you've discovered the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who has a prophet and God speaks to these prophets and these are Saints and I'm gonna be with Latter-day Saints and it's gonna be fantastic okay and it's gonna be and like I was talking to somebody not too long ago that kinda grew up around here and we're going to move to Utah where we can live among the Saints It will be awesome. (laughs) And what happens? Uh A business deal goes bad. bad. And and, and the guy was on the high council. Okay, our expectations of what we expect from members is going to be is largely dependent on how we see it. Do we see them as glowing saints, and then we're disappointed when we find out their struggles? Okay, so. We get all of these things and then we see it through our own lens. So we have our own lens that we're looking at the church through all of these things. And so basically we're sitting in a group and we are different people with different expectations and life experiences and situations. Okay. So here's the problem that we're going to have in Corinth. If somebody joins the church in Plano, for instance, they're going to join the church and they're going to drop into an existing culture <laughs> that already exists and is already in place. Plus, they're bringing all of their stuff with them. Okay, What happens if, you're, if you have a, a group and you're going to baptize an entire ward or a couple of three wards in a town and everybody has been in the church less than 18 months. And there is no existing culture. Then how much does your own culture affect what you're going to find? And what how it's going to form? And what it's going to look like? And what your war dinners look like and all that, right? Isn't that
2: kind of what happened with, in the beginning of the church?
0: It was exactly what happened in Kirtland exactly what happened in Kirtland. We're all, we're all new to this, so what does a sacrament meeting look like? If I remember, for them, their initial experiences in Kirtland was, it's about the Spirit, and so it's being led by the Spirit, and we had those that were in Kirtland that were big time into the Spirit, and so they're, it's about the Spirit and everything. You remember, people would like jump up, and they would sit down in the aisles, and they're going, I'm going. I'm on the boats, going to the Lamanites, and they would do that. And then another guy is like, filled with the Spirit, does a backwards flip, Noel Whitney, does a backwards flip off of the chair and out the window. Okay. That is Mormonism. <laughs> and, and Joseph is going to say, okay, can we cool it with the spiritual stuff? Let's talk about how the Holy Ghost works. There's no cultural history to hold us in place. There's just we're trying to put it together on the fly. And that's exactly what's happened in Corinth. Only far worse. Yeah? Isn't it the same as
2: when somebody got the Spirit and then decided that that church, they were just going to get their own church
0: yeah. break away
2: from the main LDS church make their own because they were like by the Spirit.
0: And, and I want to create a, a different ward based on the way I see it. I want it to look like what I expected it to look like. My way. It's my way. It's my I'm way. very happy with my way. I've been doing it. And now, so I'm going to take my way and sprinkle in some of this churchness in here. Okay? I want it to be my way with some Christ added. So, that's kind of, again, that's what was happening. in. So, let's, let's talk about where that, those clashes actually begin to happen then in Corinth. Um, Now, 1 Corinthians 1.11 here he writes for it has been reported to me my brothers and sisters by Chloe's household Chloe is running a, uh, one of the house churches in there by Chloe's household that there are rivalries among you I mean this that each of you says I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in Paul's name? I thank God that I baptized no one except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. Okay? Now, here's a really good example. L- let's say this. So, the, and, he, and he split it out perfectly. Here are really the four factions that I think have the biggest impact in, in uh, Corinthians first word okay one is if I'm going to follow Paul then, then what philosophy am I, Paul, am I following Roman uh, it's Roman, okay so if I'm going to this is going to be a Roman church you think this is, is where this is where we're going to get things like um, uh, where, ha, how, how did the Romans establish a religion by force dang it (laughs) it's going to be but onward christian soldiers (laughs) you know this is going to be if i'm if i'm going to if this is going to be a roman ward with christ added it's going to be a little bit militaristic and how do i kind of pull in the, the caesar cult and kind of mix this maybe maybe jesus is a lot like caesar you know i'm trying to somehow accommodate this new religion in with my romanness and i and i and i'm going to like that okay so and i'm going to and i could do it by force now by the way by the way by the way i don't want to get make this too in depth 250 years later when constantine is actually going to make religion christianity the state church Guess which form of Christianity survived? Romans. The Roman version. That's what made the Crusades okay, because the Romans when the Roman version of Christianity was going to be least persecuted it was going to be the most likely to survive it would be there and so when when Constantine goes I think I'm going to incorporate Christianity he's going to Christianity and it's the Roman version that has made it through the last couple of centuries. These other ones aren't, aren't going to make it for a couple of reasons okay does that make sense so so th- that is re- really setting up uh, 250 years later about 300 AD okay So summer of Paul, and there are some in the mix who don't necessarily like the way paul's doing it and maybe but they like his they don't necessarily like his Romanness because they are more greek right so i'm of apollos how would a greek christian approach the gospel when there's no culture yet intellectually, intellectually philosophically Let's have long discussions about the wisdom of this doctrine or that doctrine. And if we can, by the way, if we can throw in some Zeus or, or some Aphrodite, that would be kind of cool. You know what? Mary is a lot like like Artemis. She is, you're right. And let's talk about the differences between Mary and Venus. Yes, let's have a discussion about that. Maybe... For, for our fireside, we're going to have this Greek discussion. Oh, well, that would be very cool. Yes, I, I could certainly see that. Yes. Okay? And so they would like Apollos is coming from Alexandria with the library. and the Okay? Uh, or, so we got the Roman faction, we got the Greek faction, then we would have the Jewish Cephas, who is Peter. But I think it's interesting that he's, ri- he's writing it as Cephas. You're taking not his... Greek name, you're taking his Jewish name. If you are a Jewish Christian in Corinth, what would you want the word to look like? Synagogue. Synagogue, Law of Moses, Sing the Psalms. I mean, the Greek and the Roman guys don't know the Psalms at all. But you know them. We know them. Which It's going to be about Abraham and, and the Shema uh, I don't know if I can add the Christ thing to the, to the Shema, but maybe, you know, and we're going to, okay? And they,
2: and they certainly discussed it and talked
0: about it. Oh, sure. 20 hours every day through, going through the Pentateuch and the Torah and seeing how that matches, you know, because that's what we do, okay? So that's another faction. And then there's the other faction that is... That that I I like to think it's like I'm poor and I'm pious and I'm better than you are. I'm the true believer. I'm the one that's really invested most. I am the best Christian in this ward. Okay, that would be another faction.
4: Why do you associate that with Christ?
0: Because they're going to say I don't follow any of these others. I'm going to put all of mine into, into being Christ, and I couldn't care less about Paul or Cephas or anything else. I'm doubling down as in contrast to the others. Because all of them should have been about Christ, right? But if they're going to do it, if he's going to say, some are Christ so that I'm not Paul, and some are Christ so that I'm not Apollos, it's, it's a way to differentiate yourself. I think that's what happens sometimes in really established wards. Uh, If if the church is going to implement something, and I feel like I'm a pretty good member of the church, and we're going to implement Come Follow Me, how do I do Come Follow Me better than you? How do I do that? Because I want to somehow differentiate myself still being, this is my claim to fame. I am super Mormon. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: So it's not only that, but it's also those who don't want to acknowledge proper priesthood authority, and they just want to say, you know what, Uh, I've got this connection with Christ, and it's just me, and it's my interpretation, and I really don't need...
0: Anybody else's... ...prophets,
1: whatever, I I I can get what I need directly from the Lord.
0: Yeah, right don't you can't teach me anything cuz i have this i think that's a good a way point. Of
1: trying to say i'm still in but it's my way not in and
0: better than yours. See that's the um th- th- this weekend uh Cindy and I were able to do something we 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 went to see the the uh the play the great divorce uh written by uh, the the book is written by C S Lewis but the play is just incredibly well done. It was here at the Iceman Center. Um and and to kind of but for those of you who don't know what The, the Great Divorce is about, um, it's, just, it's brilliant. Um, what, what C.S. Lewis set up is a place where, where people uh, live in hell. It's called Greytown, It's always raining. It's a bad place. And they have a chance to get on a bus and go to heaven. Anybody that wants to go can go. Now... When they're getting there, there's a staging area just before the mountains and over the mountain is heaven. You can go. Anybody can go. Uh, but they're quarreling, they are contentious, and, and, and they're carrying with them their, their stuff. Now, what's going to happen is, is that they're going to be the solid people, the shiny, white, solid people, that will walk them through and prepare them to be able to enter into heaven. And letting them know though what they're going to have to give up and leave behind to go to heaven.
2: Talking about us.
0: Uh, Maybe. Yes. And and what what like like there's there's one woman that is um, she was a famous uh, painter on earth. She wants to kind of paint. She thinks she can do it in hell, but she wants to get up to heaven. And, and she wants to know if Monet is there and all that so that I can associate with those kind of people. And and her guide says, I don't know whether he's here or not. You can go find out. Well, where, where do the famous people go? Well, in heaven, there are no famous people. We are all famous. We are all great. We are all wonderful. Well, I'm not sure I can handle that. You know, well, I mean, how do you know where the good people are and the bad people? Well, where are all the good people? Well, how do you gain like, notoriety? That you don't gain notoriety. We are... It's all together. Well, I don't th- I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> so she's going to get on the bus and go back to hell rather than go into heaven. And one by one, you see them choosing to like, well, I don't want to let go of my thing. <laughs> I don't want to let go of what I've enjoyed to go into heaven because it's different than what I thought. Okay. Uh, one lady is like, where is my husband up here? you know because i need him i'm not done with him yet i need to uh, there's still more i need to do with him where well, i need him i'm not happy i have i he he's still not doing things right i need him where is he we don't know whether he's a you might run into him. well i need to know you know is he here and and she finally gets on the bus and goes um one last one. There's a, a one lady that comes in and she's she's got a cloak over the the way they did this in the play was fantastic. Uh, she's got a cloak over and there are little like little sticky things sticking all out of her and she's walking along and she's just grumbling oh, about this and about that and they did this and I can't believe it and you know and, and they're watching her walk across and 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 he and the the C.S. Lewis character is asking his guide he says so what's with what's with her and he says oh she's a grumbler And he goes well can she make it and he says we'll work with her if we can find a spark of light in her that can grow into a beautiful magnificent thing but if there's if if that spark completely goes out she's just a grumble <laughs> and when there's, not, there's not much you can do with a grumble Okay. Now, what he's getting to, I think, it, well, there was two things. One, um, hell has an exit. And that one day hell will be empty. And he's quoting there George MacDonald, who was kind of his spiritual mentor. Hell has an exit. The other one is that idea that he would talk about in mere Christianity, and that is that pride is not about having something. Pride is having more than somebody else. That's pride. And, and uh, President Benson will be quoting a lot of Mere Christianity in his 1989 talk on pride. Because uh, that's one of them. It's about pride. And all of them did not want to give up. Because like, there, there's one guy in this s- situation who doesn't believe that there is a heaven. It's all a conspiracy, don't you see? And the same people run heaven as run hell. And it doesn't matter which side you go to, they're all the same people are the ones getting rich. And so I'm not believing this for a second. This is all just show. Okay? Because I'm smarter. I'm picking up on, on the schemes and the conspiracies and other sheep can't figure that out. I'm smarter, don't you see? And I'm gonna get back on the bus because it doesn't matter. I'm not gonna get taken by those shiny people. Okay? Again, you get this sense of pride and the pride of what we hold on to and an expectation that if we're going to walk into a body of saints what are we willing to give up? Okay? Uh, th- th- does, that, th- does that make sense that there's the battle? Um, Alright. So, part of her, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but to a point, uh,
1: aren't we all like that? Uh, you know, The
0: way I worship
1: Sunday at church, what I do at church is different than what someone else might do. Uh, I, the way I keep the Sabbath
0: well, yes. it is different than the way you do it, and I'm going to keep doing it my way, because I think that's, you know, that's the way I do it,
1: and the way when I go to the temple, I worship a certain way there, and so you know, we're all I guess, have different ways of, of doing what we need to do. That's right difference is, and I
0: don't think it's always pride, or pride that's involved. Okay, right. Cultural. It is yeah, cultural. No,
4: you know, we um, educated people in the United States or whatever read all kinds of great books. And the reason we read those is because those books are filled with images, archetypal images, <laughs> and they give us reference in, uh, in life and help us. Does this make sense what I'm saying? It does. And Uh, And so I think that it's only natural for someone who's raised in a culture to carry that with them. Oh, sure. But sometimes those cultural ideas are actually inhibiting us from experiencing the full joy of our religion, of the peace that God has to offer. Those things actually, they hold back. The church that I was baptized into was in East Texas. There were no Mormons down there. The missionaries came in. A bunch of people went for it. But when you went to Sunday meetings, they were like Baptists.
0: <laughs> they were like Baptists, right? And music was baptist. And and <laughs> yes, and it's a good example.
4: As there were several influences. But one of the influences was slowly but surely Exxon, Started hiring engineers from BYU, and so they came in, and it drove everyone crazy at first because they didn't know how to behave.
0: They didn't know how to do an East Texas Baptist-focused LDS church. Wow. There's very, very <laughs> a, well, well, yeah. There's a, and that's probably a really good example here, right? Yeah. I was going to say the thing
3: is, is that isn't it great that the Lord has given us the Holy Ghost? Yeah. To to guide us
2: even
0: they our in our culture and I think experiences and everything. sure and he's given freedom that we can choose. Okay, so, so where's where's the line here to say I I have to do things in a way that works for me and it enhances my study scripturally and and how does that where's the line where it crosses over into contentiousness to where it actually begins to be a stumbling block either for me or for the other members. Cuz both things have to kind of be there, right? Right. You don't give up your whole history and who you are and what works for you because because we're not expected to be uh, um, robots where everybody's doing things exactly the same way. Where's the line? How do, how do you draw the line? The
4: line is the <laughs> And and the only way that we will We don't all progress at the same rate, we don't all become Christ like at the same pace. And uh, but as we are charitable, as we love one another, Uh we accept and encourage, and and people are doing the same with us, and slowly but surely,
0: you're going to see why it is that we end up dropping into First Corinthians 13 in the middle of all of this. But you have to
2: say that the church, and even then, the church had to establish a road rules,
0: a rule but also be able to respect the individuality of the people there's the challenge that is absolutely the challenge to say give people the freedom to be what works for them but do it how do you do it in a way that is not judging that is not conflicting and and isn't off putting and drives them out out the building that's yeah I also
3: think it has to be flexible
2: enough for wherever you are like oh a sister I don't know her name in our state conference yesterday made this comment and I thought about it all day that Noah, Nephi and his brother of Jared all got asked to do the same thing to build a boat
0: yeah. and none of them had
2: experience in how to build the boat and they each turned out completely different um, and yet it was perfectly acceptable exactly what the Lord wanted
0: great point isn't so, it
2: there's many ways
0: to go about yeah. the same thing,
2: but there might need to be flexibility because each had a different circumstance on what they were
0: going to do. Ah, okay. So, and I, I think that is the challenge that, that the Corinthians were balancing. And I think it's Paul's trying... Now, watch how Paul tries to wrestle with this. What kind of counsel he's giving to try and say, how do we not offend but ha- at what point have we stepped over a line? Um, and and so that's really what First Corinthians is about. Now, so new members can get a testimony and join the church pretty quickly, but changing their worldview and their former religious culture is a lot harder process. So we're asking, how do they acculturate into our? It, it, is there is there an LDS culture? Yes. Oh man. Is there a Texas culture? Yes. Does your ward have a culture? Yeah, there is. And so what we're asking people to do is, uh, if somebody in, in our ward, in the Plano First Ward, has is, is been Catholic all their life, and they read the Book of Mormon, and they get a testimony, and we baptize them tomorrow, and they come to church on Sunday... Are they LDS or are they Catholic? They're both. Are they? Let me say it differently. Are they? Are they more LDS or are they more Catholic? More Catholic. They're more Catholic. They're still Catholic, <laughs> right? Their experiences, how they look at the scriptures, how they, you know. Um, I, I was I was sitting. I, I had a I had a gentleman in my office not too long ago um, who was a convert to the church. And he wanted to know if we could begin our counseling session with a word of prayer. And I said, "Yeah, that would be lovely. Would you like to say?" It? "Yeah, I will say it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And, and Jesus, I need this. And Jesus, I need that. And you know. And he's just still in that, you know. And you know what? Heartfelt, loving, caring, heart-searching. And uh, now, is that incorrect?
1: It's
0: different. Uh, it's different. It's certainly cultural what he learned about trusting Jesus. Okay? In our culture we're trying to say, no, I think we should be praying to Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And, and hopefully kind of gets there, but he's not there yet.
3: His heart is definitely in the right place.
0: Oh, completely. And yeah, because so. it isn't like I was going to go, uh, stop for a second. You should be praying in the name of Heavenly, right. uh, Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ. So we don't right. pray directly. Je- you just need to know that. <laughs> I just said thank you, thank you for the sweet prayer. Let's get yeah. going.
2: Yeah. Go.
0: Okay. I just think we have to be aware of, of of this transition that it takes, and give people a chance. Uh, and and by the way, and let it, just talking about what a difficult process it is to assimilate somebody into a church. Man, that's tough. But before
2: we move on, there's actually an assimilation.
0: Yeah, we could do the whole marriage thing on this, right? For instance, do you wear your Sunday clothes all day long? Or do you uh, come home from church and change into vocabulary clothes when you don't wear your Sunday clothes? You, yeah. you, can see it? you can do it however you want, but the right way is to get into the jeans as fast as possible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: But if you want to do it your way, bless your heart. You you just kinda of do it your way. <laughs> that, that that's that's a good example yeah,
1: yeah. one thing I've noticed through my life you know growing up you know we moved around a little bit when I was young and then going on my mission you go to different states and, I mean, we had a huge mission and then I've noticed the different wards I've lived in that it seems to me that people that have been around which usually the my dad was a, in the army or the service and we moved a lot some of them 15 times
0: they yeah they've
1: been in the Middle East they've been in London they've been in the Orient they seem to assimilate into the whatever group they're in a lot easier because they're used to change. They're
0: used to change. This is
1: where Paul fits in. He he could see what was going on. Yeah. How do you solve it with
0: them? Well, and Paul bless his heart until until other than the, the wards that they had going in some of these other little areas, they were still learning. They're they're kind of within the first few years of what does a Christian church look like? How does it function? We're going to talk probably next week about how they ran their sacrament meetings. And you're going to find out that it came pretty close to how they ran their sacrament meetings in Kirtland. And how they ran it in the Book of Mormon. But it just does organically. It just happened. Yeah.
3: So this is all very interesting and amusing to me because we saw this happen on our mission in Pennsylvania that's not even a foreign... That's the, that's the U.S., right? As part of us. Kodunk No Place Branch was kind of a foreign country. (laughs) And we saw so much of this, where we came in and would come home going,
0: That's not how we do this.
3: And we had to find that balance with, okay, who are we to just come in to this little place with with people who are um, maybe don't know, um, have never opened a handbook, but are doing the best they can, have good hearts, and we come in from the big city and try to change everything. Yeah. And so that was an interesting balance and in try to maybe make suggestions. Because some things, like, maybe you need everybody to get their email addresses out there so we can send information so people know what's going on. And people didn't want to do that. It's like, well, okay, that's maybe that's just our way in the big city, but then there were other things that, you know, having a youth program really is a, is a good idea, and when there's not one in a oh, wow. you know, maybe maybe we need a youth program, and, and people
0: are going, a youth program? And,
3: but then there's other things, like, that need to be done a certain way, when we took new members, uh, brand new baptized members, to the temple, were able to have them do baptisms, and a couple of the men who were new converts got to baptize, but one particular guy who couldn't read, couldn't really comprehend a lot, and as he's trying to baptize his wife for the dead, and he wasn't saying the words right, and the people had to keep saying, okay, okay, try again, and we realized he, he can't read or even understand, and Mike would get in the water with him and finally say the words, but when he finally, he couldn't get through the words, so he just looked at his wife and said, I
0: baptize you. And so, and no, you really can't do, that. You can't do that. So, yeah, that was tricky. Yeah. That, I remember when, when, when we moved our, our family up to Utah after being here, and, and, and I'd been the bishop, and I knew exactly how things were supposed to be, and we moved up, up to Utah, and they announced that they were having the, the, uh, the uh, cake auction for the primary program, <laughs> and we looked at each other like, "They're doing what?" <laughs> and they raised like eight hundred dollars of, of a cake auction for the primary program. We thought, "Well, that's just not in the handbook," and I just "You know, okay, so we're gonna do it our way." Bruce, you had it. A... But, but we do have
2: guidelines that keep us.
0: It's kind of the idea of the handbook, no isn't it?
2: Where you go. Usually the
0: flow of the sacrament meeting is similar to so where you go. That's right. The ordinances that you participate in are word by word so that we don't get off here or there. So, so the important things are kind of set for us yeah. so that we can overcome this. Crisis. And how much of those end up being things that culturally we say, no, that's part of the church. And maybe it really isn't. It's the way that we have always done things. Dang it, in our ward, we'd better have the Relief Society uh, progressive dinner thing in December. And if anybody's going to sit in ward council and suggest that maybe because we just had the ward Christmas party, we don't necessarily need the Relief Society. Or just
2: something
0: as simple as wearing pants in a chapel. Yes.
2: Oh. Just
0: yesterday, he visits, of course,
2: a lot of words and he says it's just so interesting how even just the passing of the sacrament
0: is done. Just yes, that's very, right. Differently, and you want to say something all the time, and you just don't know. Yeah. It's not because it's simply yeah. cultural. It is. So, so picture. So you get getting a sense. Get a picture of these very strong clashing because now in, in Corinth, bring it back there. You're getting all of these things plus uh, cultural things like uh, pagan and ethnic things like are you Roman or are you Greek or Jewish. So you get this, bu- this cross section and here's where the no man's land is and this is why they started to struggle. Okay, So here's Paul starting to push back. So especially in the first part of First Corinthians you're seeing him start to address a number of things. Uh, We're not going to really need the part in here as to whether women should wear hats in church or not. (coughs) He's dealing with some some things on the ground. But some of them I think are interesting. So, for instance, in Corinth, there were really two major sources of meat. One is pagan meat. Uh, Animals offered as sacrifice in pagan temples, eaten by the family, and the leftovers sold in the marketplace to anyone. So, so we're gonna, you know, we're gonna eat what fills us, and then we can actually take it over to the shops, and we're gonna sell it. And it, and, and by the way, and we're gonna save the really good stuff, the fatted calf and stuff like that, for holidays and stuff like that. So it's the good stuff, right? We really like this, um, and it is all about barbecue. In case you were wondering.
2: Uh,
0: now, what other source of meat might there be in Corinth? Jewish right now they didn't have a temple so there's not Jewish sacrifices but there is doing it kosher okay the kosher meat has to be killed a certain way so the blood is drained out and it doesn't mix with other things and everything so you're going to have two major groups here you got those that are eating pagan meat uh, and the kosher meat over here and, and if you're going to sit down the question is if we're having a war dinner and they're serving ribs does that work? No. it's going to work for the, uh, the Apollos people and the Paul people is it working for the Cephas people?
4: that's if they're pork or beef Yeah, <laughs>
2: pork
0: ribs <laughs> the good ribs okay (laughs) (laughs) and what sauce do you use that's right do you do a dry rub or do you okay okay and and by the way I think it's and and there's some hints here think back to how how was Peter taught that it might be alright to take the gospel to the Gentiles remember the vision that he gets in Joppa right. Okay. and what does he see the sheep there's a sheet coming down and in it is all these unclean animals and, and the Lord is saying to him what I have declared clean don't declare unclean so if you are a Jewish Christian in Corinth is it alright to eat the barbecued ribs yes. probably but what if you don't? Maybe you're just not yet comfortable with that. Would that be okay? Yes. Yeah. Probably okay. Just don't judge others. Just don't judge the ones that are like I'm still more, more better because I'm still not eating the ribs. Okay. You get invited more often because you're not competing with.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you're not going to eat the ribs, let's get them all the time so they're going to leave that stuff alone. I always like vegans at my dinner.
2: Do they taste? Do
0: you want this? Oh no, you don't. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I will eat that then. Thanks so much. Okay. Um, so no. That, so so that's what's going on here. So uh, that that's the battle. Yeah.
3: I'm curious if the scarcity of food may have been an issue at all. That they didn't. That they wanted to use everything and sell it and make sure all of it was used properly. I don't know.
0: Yeah well and, and if, is that going to be and if times of drought and stuff like that are you going to really kind of hold to that or you only do it when it's those are the struggles okay so again but but as we're struggling with all this look at the injunctions now that come from the Lord and certainly they would have been starting to find these in Jesus teachings and, and in the Old Testament 4th Nephi they had all things in common among them therefore there was not rich nor poor bond or free the idea of becoming Zion is to become one. There were no more ites. Aren't
2: we having the same struggles now ourselves? <laughs> I mean,
0: Depends on who you vote for. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I can tell by your hat whether I like you or not.
3: <laughs> we have this gay situation going on where
0: now... Yes. There's some adapting and some change. How are we handling all of that? And how many people I'm not not sure. Well, absolutely. John 17. Father, make them one in me as I am with thee. We're supposed to become one but different. Right? If you are not one, you're not mine. Well, they just want me to be a robot. They just want everybody to be in lockstep. No. Moses, they were called Zion. Why? One. One heart. Again, can you see 1 Corinthians looming in the distance here? Probably get to that next week. 1 Corinthians 13. Charity never fails. Yeah. So
1: there should be probably a reference to 3 Nephi where it says, I, I'm telling you this so there will be no more disputation. Among you. And I... <laughs> It's interesting that he gives us a prescribed prayer for baptism, which is obviously going to be valid and recognized by him, but there's also a prayer for baptism that Alvin uses that is substantially
0: different, different Absolutely. also valid, but yeah. we don't use it because the Lord's
1: told us to use a different one and not dispute about the thing.
0: Right yeah and and isn't and there's even a difference in the way that they look at baptism over time which is a whole other discussion about uh, baptism for the remission of sins after Christ but under Alma we're baptizing are you going to mourn with those that mourn comfort those that then you should be baptized and they're talking more about inclusion into a group you're going to become one with us which I think is some of the spirit of, of this um them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. So we're again we're trying. How do we, how do we bridge all the differences and bring them into one group? And man, that's the challenge. And so, and he's gonna. And when we get into Second Corinthians, he's going to talk about being of one mind. So, all right. So, in it, Paul is going to begin to make some suggestions why he thinks this happened. Because, if anything, uh, again, he's seeing the unity that he thinks he sees in, in Philippi, and things are going well up there in Macedonia. And, man, these Corinthians are just battling. And so he's, he's sending this letter, and here's what he's, he's going to say. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Because on top of that, who else is battling against the Christians? The whole rest of the world. He, he, so you guys follow who? Christ. Re, really? Who was that? Well, he was the preacher. Oh, can we see him? No, he was, he was killed. Really? Why? He was hung on a tree. Really? You are following a crucified criminal. Yeah, well he's resurrected. Right. How stupid are you? Now, this this logic never goes on among kind of those that are a little bit more atheistic these days, does it? You guys follow who? You worship Joseph Smith, really? The this guy with all these wives and all this stuff and he was and he was treasure peeping and then, yeah, really? I thought, you know what, Bruce, I had a lot of respect for you and then I found out that you believe that and I'm not sure I have a lot of respect for you anymore. You're going to give 10% of your income to a cult? What's wrong with you guys? That's as dumb as it gets. I can... I can worship in the mountains with a glass of wine and be happier than you. (laughs) (laughs) For Jews ask for signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we declare to you a crucified Christ. To the Jews a scandal and foolishness to the Gentiles. We declare a crucified Christ And then to see people like Sophonies and Crispus and all these smart people and members uh, on the Areopolis joining with the crucified Christ people? There is a a level of shame. How many of our youth are walking around high schools in North Texas and then someone's saying, So what church do you belong to? Uh, The Church of Jesus Christ. I really don't want to put it out there because I'm going to get made fun of. It's always going to be a scandal. We declare to you a crucified Christ to the Jews a scandal, foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, Jews and Greeks alike, Christ is the power and wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is greater than human strength. Okay, Now, I'm trying to see if I put it in here. I don't remember. I was with you in weakness and fear and in great trembling. What does the doctrine and covenant say about the weak things of the world? Yeah, the, it's, the, the, God is always going to draw upon the weak. Why does he do that? Wouldn't it have made more sense to have called Sidney Rigdon rather than Joseph Smith? logically Wouldn't it have made more sense to do a vision with uh, uh, what's his name, Campbell um, that lived at the same time that already had a great following? From a marketing standpoint, isn't it better to pick the the best people in the area, the most well-known, and you call that person?
2: Logically,
0: yes. He's going to call a 14, 14-year-old treasure hunter? How... how Hmm. Pretentious is that.
2: To find your earlier argument that the uh, experienced preacher is going to bring with him all of his
0: baggage, culture and background
2: <laughs> and experience and habits and traditions. Baggage. And a fourteen-year-old boy is claiming to be old.
0: Yeah, I've I've told the story before where where I was I was called as a bishop and then I did what bishops are supposed to do and released the Relief Society president to call another one and I was examining and I thought about and prayed about several of them and then, I, and then I, was, I felt inspired to call a sister who had been only reactivated for six months and that's when I bring her and her husband in and I say I've got a calling I need to extend and she's looking at him he says it's about you And I said sister the uh, we need to call you as Relief Society president and she really did go yeah I mm, ah, (laughs) mm, she was speechless I and she says I don't know whether I can do that and I really did say to her sister the Lord called me as a bishop. <laughs> and now he's calling you. So you go argue with him.
2: <laughs> Come back
0: in a week and tell me how that goes. <laughs> and she came back a week later and she's like, okay.
2: <laughs>
0: and you know what? Her, her period of inactiveness was just what a certain group of sisters in that Relief Society needed. She was fantastic. Amazing. Okay? He calls the weak people. He does. And in the church, we're always kind of this, I'm not sure I can do it. I'm not sure this is me. And he goes, you're right. You know? Is, is the Lord going to tempt us beyond what we can bear? Constantly. He's going to give us the strength to overcome. Is he, he's going to give us the strength to do what we can't do on our own. All the time. He doesn't expect, he's not calling the most competent. So.
1: I, I just think it's important for us to keep in mind that when the Lord calls us, He does not expect us to be all things to all people.
0: Yeah. He,
1: as you said, this sister would have judged exactly the experience necessary to touch certain group of people and that's been my experience is that there's a few people that you're designed to touch and the rest are going to kind of go on automatic pilot until the next person is called to
0: take (coughs) who's able to touch them you know the funny thing is uh next week you're going to hear paul say almost the exact same thing but watch what he says because he will say i was all things to all people (laughs) paul will say exactly that but look at the context in which he's going to say that and it, he will turn it com- around completely from what we think. Well, well you
1: do your best to, to to connect with everybody. Yeah. And Paul's going to say he did his best to connect with everybody.
0: And it didn't always work. No, it, it didn't work in Ephesus.
2: Mark always said, as yeah, so a bishop, if, if everyone's happy with you, you're probably not
0: doing it. If everybody likes me, yeah. Uh, I know. <laughs> so uh, I, I've mentioned before, sometimes people will in my office say... What does it mean to be passive-aggressive? How do I know if I'm passive-aggressive? And I'll say, is everybody mad at you? Yeah. Well, then you are. Because <laughs> the idea of being passive-aggressive is th- so that nobody will be mad at me. And it turns out everybody is really mad at you because they expected one thing and got something else. Okay. Okay. So, so he's try- Paul's trying to say, first of all, I was... I was with you in weakness and fear and great trembling. We don't think about Paul trembling. We think about the Paul that was just previously before walking into Corinth, he was standing at Mars Hill, and he was having to defend himself with great eloquence quoting Greek poets. And he's, But he's going to walk into Corinth in weakness and fear and great trembling. Okay? And that's what we kind of get from D and C one, right? The weak things of the world shall come forth and break down the mighty and strong ones, that the fullness of my gospel might be proclaimed by the weak and the simple unto the ends of the earth and before kings and rulers. The Lord's plan is that the weak people will will be uh, strengthened by Him and lifted by Him to do this work. Kevin,
1: is He possibly saying it was their weakness and their fear and their? Very-
0: Early
1: days the church, Berlin, uh, yeah. and so forth, and the church was in fear all the time of being overwhelmed and squashed by yeah. outside influences. You get to a point now where the church no longer has that fear at all.
0: Yeah. Well, y- you would think that the th- in, in this case, though, um, if you kind of read the whole thing, I think that's certainly true. If they're go- if you're going to be a Christian in Corinth, you're going to be ridiculed, d- depending on which faction you're going to come from, you're going to face ridicule. So there's a certain amount of fear and trembling, no, no doubt. But Paul is also going to say, I showed up with you in weakness and fear. Be like me. And he will say, be like me as I am in Christ. Imitate me like I imitated Christ. So you going say, we're all kind of weak together in this thing. Okay, now, uh, side note on here. I'm going to digress for just a little bit, but I just thought... That you're going to like the, I really like this little tidbit uh, while, you're, while you're trying to picture the missionaries and the, and the Corinthian church stuff like that uh, let me show you the difference one of the reasons why I like making sure that I'm looking at these other translations here's 1 Corinthians uh, from uh, the, the King James version 1 Corinthians 9 mine answer to them some of their arguments, is that, that do, examine me, is this. Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and the brethren of the Lord, and Cephas? Not exactly sure what that means in the King James. Let me show you how Wayment translates that from the Greek. This is my defense to those who judge me. Do we not have the right to have a spouse accompany us as the other apostles and brothers of the Lord and Cephas do? There goes celibacy, right? Yes. Exactly. And what does it tell you about about most of these missionaries? Not only were they married, but they brought their wives with them.
4: Just like on a mission
0: they're bringing their, yeah they're serving a mission together this is a senior couple how about that I don't know if we necessarily always think about these missionaries in the early church going around as senior couples we just kind of see this group of dusty guys trudging through the mountains you know no they brought he's saying Peter brought his wife with him well that's kind of cool yeah
3: you might be able to help me remember the story, but even President Nelson went to someone once he lost his wife, and he went to someone, and um, I don't remember who it was, but possibly the group, possibly the Watson, and asked him if it was appropriate for him to take another wife. Should I? And I think that's why his marriage to Wendy happened
0: so Quick. quickly. Quick. Quick. It was definitely um,
3: inspiring God, but also because he felt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because this was supposed to be something that would be... It would be something we're going to do with this together. Okay, now, interesting enough, I, I, had, I had not thought through this before. This, this leaped out at me. I thought, this is very cool, so I did a little research uh, behind this. And, and from the 4th century, here comes Eusebius uh, with this church tradition that had been there for centuries. 4th century Eusebius... They say, according to that, when the blessed Peter saw his own, lot, his own wife led out to die, he rejoiced because of her summons and her return home and called to her very encouragingly and comfortingly, addressed her by name and saying, O thou, remember the Lord. Just before his death. In other words, the tradition is, is that they were killed the same day in Rome. We talk about Paul we talk about Peter. The tradition in the early church was that Peter's wife also died that day. I did not know that. Such was the marriage of the blessed and their perfect disposition towards those dearest to them. Wow. That was a shocker to me. And, and resonates. It makes sense that that's, that's where this would go. Okay.
1: That
0: we can go the same day too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work very often, does it? Uh, okay. So I want to spend kind of the last couple of minutes today and then certainly as we go into then next week to talk about how do we handle the divisions. The divisions that are there, the differences that are there, how do we do this in a way that is um, that works. That doesn't drive people out. Um, and first, we're going to seek to do no harm. We're going to try to begin by not offending people. No matter how hard you try to do that, <laughs> and no matter I how don't. Careful you want, I know people will uh, that there are there are certainly those looking for offense, and there's not going to be. But we're going to. We want to be able to know that we have done everything on our side. Uh, and make sure, and even even to the point of doubling down on it, to maybe apologize for stuff we shouldn't have to apologize for. You know, if we're if we're just taking a look at this and trying to say, how do we, in the moment, begin to smooth out some of the wrinkles here? Okay, yeah. Those of us who have
2: been on the loving end of correction.
0: Before. Yes, those have been on the loving end of correction. <laughs>
2: Saying to this to you
0: out of love, and I always thought, Oh, Erica, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are always when the when the conversation started. I'm going to say to this, say this to you out of love. buckle up, right? But I have
2: come and I have learned this the hard way. Yeah, that the Satan knows my Achilles heel, and he knows what things are going to be said to me that are probably just going to laugh off or whatever, and he knows what things are going to be said to me that are going to get me. And I think all of us need to learn that type of self-reflection. So that when, and I haven't been in a long time, because I can say this is the truth, it was about raising my children. When anybody would say anything, it hurt. And I had to learn, because there are so many people who are so experts on rearing other people's children. And, and, uh, you know, and so I had to learn That that was my Achilles' heel, and Satan wanted me to leave the church because of those kinds of comments. And I think all of us have to go through this, whether it's whatever it is, whatever it is, we're going to be hit up
0: with. Yeah. So true. And I love your kids a lot. Yeah, and in other words, she's saying, I don't we need to be aware of what triggers and what buttons we have that somebody might. Push, intentionally or unintentionally, and if we're aware of that, then we're more likely to consider a source or the awkwardness of it, and not and not allow somebody else's short-sightedness to drive us out of the church. Because yeah, there are going to be a lot of people with expert opinions on how to raise other people's kids. That's a great line, yeah. I can't
3: remember which sister gave the talk, but it was a couple of years ago, and she said let's celebrate our differences we need everyone in the church and we
2: don't want everyone to be the same yeah so let's celebrate our differences and learn
0: yeah and and how we celebrate and again how we celebrate those differences and then incorporate it and yet kind of be of one heart that is that's the challenge i think
2: you can be of one heart without being a homogenous
0: yes yeah or being contentious in terms of the pride One heart says, I have one way of looking at it, but of course my way is better. Um, Alright, so let me give you an example here. We'll maybe make this the the last one. Oh, you're going to like this one. Okay. Because I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all in order to gain more converts. To the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain Jews to those under the law I became as one under the law, although I myself am not under the law, that I might gain those under the law. I mean, th- this is a tough one because immediately after he writes this, I'm not under the law, he shaves his head for a vow and goes to Jerusalem. Because he didn't want to offend.
2: Difficult position to be
0: in. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah? Especially at that time and place. To those outside the law, I am become as one outside the law. Although I'm not free from God's law, I am under Christ's law. There's a law I'm living by as Christ's. That I might gain those outside the law. Is that confusing? In here we're talking about the law of Moses. Yeah? Right. So those outside the law would be? Gentiles. Gentiles. Those inside the law would be the circumcised. (coughs) To the weak I became weak, that I might gain the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. In other words, I've had to adapt myself to, to recognize the context of who I'm talking to and try and get into their space as much as I can so that I can win them. And in that case, I am being all things to all people. I am, I've learned to recognize the situation I'm in and be part of that. It's
2: like being in a bar,
0: and not drinking. You're gonna, you're gonna st- stand with a glass of root beer and sing in, <laughs> at an Oktoberfest? <laughs> no, it's
2: like
3: going to minister to
2: someone and talk to them about the gospel while they're smoking. And not be scandalized
0: yeah right doesn't mean you pull up your own cigarette it just means, yeah, it means accept
2: them where they are even though
0: yes you're trying to
2: intimidate or offend or push your buttons yes. you're there with the love of God you aren't there. To tell
0: them they're breaking the word of
2: Christ. right? Might be finding common ground,
0: and, and I think that's really what he's saying, and that's kind of what the all thing to all people thing. I'm trying, I'm looking for those places for common ground. I think if we sit down with uh, Christian brothers and sisters, and we're looking for common ground, rather than let's go through and I mean, if people want to talk about our church versus yours, you can talk about differences if you want, but what if you start with the stuff we have in common? We have far more that unites us, right? As, as Abraham Lincoln said, let's appeal to the better angels of our natures and try and find those commonplaces. And I think that's basically what, what he's saying. I became, uh, to the weak, I became weak. I'm not trying to bow up and be stronger, okay? All right. I do all, all things for the gospel so that I might participate with them in it. Okay, it's probably a good place to, to stop. Um, oh, yes. Okay, for next week, if you get a chance, kind of start with around 1 Corinthians 9 because there's going to be a discussion here about taking the sacrament about eating meals together and how are they going to handle that and why are people doing that. And then this is going to flow right from there into two important areas. One is going to be spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and the other one is going to be the gift of charity in 1 Corinthians 13. Then he's going to finish with resurrection in 15. But there's, there's some real power in 9 and 12 and 13 about how he will heal the divisions. And it's, it's just beautiful stuff. And if you get a chance, if you can read it in other versions, not just King James, I think, I think these will jump out at you, especially some language that we're gonna really have fun with in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, about the whole body of the church and how they all come together. The same, but different. Uh, final questions before we kind of end it here good stuff huh the thing that I love about this stuff is how relevant it feels to me it isn't like we're talking about philosophically about stuff that has no bearing on our, our own church life and our own ward life and our own ministering life he's talking about boots on the ground how do we help and heal and win souls for Christ and and take care of them where they are and bring them home. Uh, yeah?
2: Well, I'm noticing how um, our current
3: prophet is trying to change our culture a bit.
0: A lot. The work
3: the temple. We're learning to have the mindset, it's all about the patron experience and we're being taught how do we as temple workers
2: make that occur for the patrons so that they will come back. But come follow me is setting, is setting this up for church houses so I think that we're right in the middle of what you're trying
0: to teach. It just feels relevant and it feels current to me as we're looking. It really does. and That's part of why this ought to be resonating for us that you watch should be a church struggling and going through growing pains about how do we do this and not offend. And man it just feels like we're here. So uh, I bury my testimony. This is These things happened, and uh, Paul, to me, is one of the great exemplars we have in history about how to do this. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.